Meet Bruce. He likes to travel and loves sports cars. But living in his garage is an elephant that empties his bank account every month. But hey, that car is so worth it, right? That elephant can be anything from debt to materialism. Meet Jen. She loves shoes more than elephants love peanuts. But every time she buys a pair of shoes, she brings home an elephant that messes with her closet and her finances. Whether you have more than enough or are barely getting by, let go of that elephant and start living like no one else. All right, well, hello. My name is Josh Walters. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mount Pleasant campus, one of the teaching pastors here at Seacoast, and we are so glad that you're here to worship with us this weekend. I wanna welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues at an offsite campus, wherever you happen to be. Man, you picked a great weekend to be at Seacoast. So we get started today. I wanna give a special shout out to our Columbia campus. Every month, the staff from all of our campuses gather here at the Mount Pleasant campus for a time of prayer and vision and training, and we all kind of share the responsibility of making that day happen. And this past month, our Columbia campus led us in worship. And I'm gonna tell you what, Evan Henry and the worship team in Columbia are killing it. It was the most diverse team from young guys, older guys, just about every race you could think of, and it sounded, looked like a beautiful picture of, of heaven. Pastor Chris and the rest of the staff doing a great job. The campus is exploding. In fact, I heard just this morning they had the Spring Valley High School marching band kick off their service. Who doesn't like a good pep rally to start off <laughs> church? It's just great. So why don't you join me? Let's celebrate them and praise God for all he's doing there in Columbia. Love you, Pastor Chris. Excited about all of that. I also wanna take a minute as we get started today to just speak to the significance of this day. Uh, today marks the 15th anniversary of the greatest tragedy ever experienced on American soil. There's a good chance you, like me, can remember uh, the day, can remember the place, what you were doing when you found out about the planes that had been hijacked and the towers that had been hit and the lives that had been lost. I had just walked into the Darla Moore School of Business at USC and what was normally a loud, crazy room with students all over the place was full of students this day and silent, uh, just the oddest thing, walk up on one of the TVs, they were all gathered around computers and monitors looking at what had happened and I remember thinking like, man, is this real? Felt like I was watching a movie. And I'm telling you, since that day, those events has impacted a lot of uh, the way that I think, walking into certain situations, thoughts, feelings that I have and it's on days like today that I'm reminded of two people groups in particular, the first of which are those who lost a loved one. I remember standing there in the School of Business that day, people began pulling out their cell phones, texting brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers on business trips, people that might be in the city or folks that were traveling. And all of a sudden, this place that seemed so far away felt like it was in my backyard. And as a nation, man, we just pulled together. And I want you to know on days like today, if you lost a loved one in those days or through that tragedy, Psalm 34, 18 says God draws close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. So we want you to know, on days like today, though your life will never be the same, that each time grief comes, man, God draws close to you supernaturally. I'm also reminded of another demographic, and that is our first time in emergency responders. In the days that would follow, every video that I saw of that tragedy would have people running for their lives from debris and smoke covered in stuff, injured, but it was the emergency responders that were the ones that were running to the tragedy. 
And so to honor the lives that were lost and to honor those who carry that mantle of laying down their lives for each of us as needed. I would love to take just a minute to honor and pray for all of our first time and emergency responders. If that's you, whether you're a law enforcement or fireman or medical professional of some kind, would you please stand here in Mount Pleasant and at all of our campuses and join me in giving a hand as they stand. If you'd remain standing for me, I'd love to pray for you. awesome. If you're near, near one of those folks, if you just reach a hand out to them across all of our campuses, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these men and women. Your word says, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. And so we're thankful, God, that each of these folks have called us friend, not knowing us personally, our story, our circumstances. God, they lay their lives down in the face of danger to fight for, save, and preserve life. So God, every day as they go in to work, I pray that you would have their back, that you would hem them in, that you would go before them, that you would be behind them supernaturally, that you'd give them wisdom and discernment, give them great courage uh, to serve us in the midst of, of chaos and crisis. So we praise you for them today and ask that your hand would be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, today we are kicking off a new series that I'm really excited about. We've been praying and, and planning, preparing for it for at least a year now, and uh, I'm excited about it primarily because of the topic that we're gonna be discussing. It's one that is spoke of in Scripture more than heaven and hell combined. In fact, throughout the entirety of Scripture, there's nearly 500 verses on prayer, about 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 that speak to this subject directly. It's the one that can bring about the greatest source of, of stress and anxiety in our, in our personal lives, and it's also the one that we're the most private about, which only compounds the pressure that we feel because of it. It is literally the elephant in the room. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, our personal finances, hands going up all over the place. You can see them, can't you? I kind of like... <laughs> I kind of like to think that I'm the only one that can see him. You know, I try to ignore him sometimes, thinking that he'll go away. If I avoid him or maybe don't talk about him, the problem won't be quite as bad as it, uh, as it actually is. Every now and then I'll try to dress him up so he doesn't look as bad, maybe throw some skinny jeans on him, you know. <laughs> get him some workout clothes, a coffee and a latte, look a little bit more like me, not quite as obvious. See, we all have elephants in our lives that can wreak havoc on our lives financially. Whether they live in our garage or in our closet, maybe in our, in our hobbies, maybe we experience them in our professional lives. Why don't, hey, get out of here, come on. I'm trying to have church. I'm telling you, that's the hottest place in Mount Pleasant. In case you're wondering. <laughs> Soak him wet in there. Do not get in that costume. <laughs> we all have we all have financial elephants. For some of us here, it's overspending. Maybe you make plenty of money, but man, you can blow through it. I've been um, coaching my eight-year-old's soccer team. I don't know why I keep doing this. I don't know anything about soccer. And the guy that I coach with is actually here in this service, but I won't call you out, Mark. And uh, he uh, showed up at practice a couple weeks ago with practice jerseys for our team. And I thought, man, 
that's awesome. We look so legit. Neither one of us have a clue what we're doing, but we look awesome. Thanks, man. And his wife said, don't thank him. It's his Amazon Prime addiction. Free next day shipping, everything. You know? And I was like, that's a real issue. <laughs> I understand that. You know, maybe for you, you make enough money, but because of that, man, you can spend it pretty quickly, freely, easily. Maybe for some of you, your elephant is arguing about finances. Maybe any time it comes up, man, you get frustrated. You have a scarcity mentality. It's hard for you to ar communicate with your spouse without arguing about it. Did you know arguments related to finances are the leading cause of divorce in America? Maybe for some of you, it's a debt. Thankfully, when you walk into a room, people don't know your credit score or see the amount of debt that just feels like it's sitting on your chest or choking you. Did you know in the, in the United States, Americans have $712 billion worth of credit card debt? Last year alone, more people filed for bankruptcy than they did graduate from college. It's just a staggering reality in our country. Maybe debt is an elephant for you. Maybe for, for some of you, your elephant is retirement. 97% of Americans say that they have not saved enough for retirement. The average American family has saved $25,000, which is great if you wanna retire for like six months. You know? <laughs> we don't just have an elephant, we have a herd of elephants. And so we're so excited about this series, Live Like No One Else, because we're gonna be looking very practically at how we can walk a different road how we can truly live like no one else and not look like everyone else. To illustrate this, as you came in today, there was a candy bar on your seat. Now be honest with me as we get started, how many of you have already eaten your candy bar? <laughs> Are you serious? You don't know what we did to those things. <laughs> this is part of an illustration. If you rolled up in the movie theater and there was candy on your seat, would you just eat it? <laughs> Hands going up, yes I would. <laughs> <laughs> that is messed up. <laughs> All right, you're still gonna have to participate. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Each one of these candy bars, I cannot believe that. Every hand in Mount Pleasant. West Campus didn't do that. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Each one of these candy bars represent a percentage of American people, thus a percentage of our population. And so this is gonna require a little bit of crowd participation on your part, but I know you can do it. We're gonna start off with the payday bar. Why start with payday? Because everybody loves Payday, am I right? You know what I'm talking about. If you received a payday bar here or at any of our campuses, would you please stand for me? Please stand, look at here. Come on, now listen, this is a great, this is a great category to be in. And that those standing represent 2% of our population and these are the millionaires. <laughs> Score, that's right. You picked the right seat, you didn't even know? You just thought, man, I like a payday, I'm gonna sit right here, okay? For some of you, I want you to know that this might be the closest you'll ever be to becoming a millionaire. <laughs> so I just want you to sit in this moment for a minute, maybe rub it in, yes, Lord, please, let it be. You know? Statistically, there are 250 people in a church our size that are actually in this category. So before we move on, I have a personal question for you, and that is, have you ever considered adopting a 35-year-old pastor <laughs> from Mount Pleasant? <laughs> We could do this, okay? So, a couple things that I want you to know about these folks. First of which is that they adhere to a budget. Now, most of us have a budget, but these folks actually stick to it. <laughs> so when their money comes in, they know where it's going, they've got a plan for it, a purpose for it. 
Secondly, they avoid debt, uh, avoid unnecessary debt. If anything, they leverage their debt for financial gain, but they avoid it if possible. Uh, Three, they invest early. Uh, They take advantage of opportunities to to invest so that their money would work for them, but they're not necessarily working for their money. And then lastly, they're wise with their resources. If they see an opportunity to to make money, they're gonna pursue it. If they see an opportunity to save money, they're gonna take advantage of that. They steward their resources wisely. 2% of our congregation, 2% of our country. You can go ahead and take a seat. Give them a hand as they do. We're thankful for each of you. It's a great category. I see some fists pumping like, yeah, that's right. I made it. You did. I'm proud of you. Next category of folks, if you got a hundred grand bar, would you stand up for me? Stand up for me. Come on. Look at this. In addition to being my favorite candy bar, those with a hundred grand make up 10% of our population, which are debt-free and live in large. Come on. Woo! Seeing some dance moves. I hear you. That's something to celebrate. Debt-free and living large. This is the category of people that Katie and I are running hard after. And honestly, it's the one that for our church, I'm praying into for each of us. Don't get me wrong. I hope God gives me a million-dollar idea. Maybe helps me, gives me vision to create a Pokemon Go app or a Topsy Tail, something that's gonna make a lot of money. I don't know what it would be. But if he doesn't, you know, this is the category that we're running hard after. We're not there. We've got our Cars paid off, don't have any credit card debt, still working on Katie's student loans. But these, these folks are debt-free and live in large primarily because God could call them to go anywhere and do anything, and, and their yes is always on the table. These folks don't have to say, well, man, I would love to do that, but I've got this thing to pay for, this car, this house, uh, these, these credit cards. I would love to go and be a part of that, but how would I provide for these things that I'm responsible for. These folks could could go or do whatever God might call them to. Here's a couple things that we know about them. Statistically, they paid cash for their car. That's great, no car payments, they're free there. No, remain standing, don't don't sit down so so quick. We gotta celebrate you, this is good. Should be proud, 10% of people, here we go. Their house is paid for. Who has a house paid for? Can you imagine what you would do each month if you didn't have a mortgage or a rent? I mean, whatever you wanna do. God calls you to go somewhere, do something, that's awesome. They have a fully funded emergency fund. They go to bed every night knowing that whatever tomorrow brings, if the car breaks down on the way to work, if they wake up sweating because the air conditioner broke, they don't have to worry about it. They've stewarded their money appropriately. They're gonna be able to cover it. They have a fully funded emergency fund. Lastly, they've started saving late for retirement. That's because they've been paying off everything else. You know? But it's okay, because when they retire, they're not gonna have a lot of bills, and now they are saving 10%. Of our, of our population, that's what I'm running hard after. Y'all give them a hand as they sit. That's a good one to be a part of, running hard after that. The next category, if you received a crunch bar, <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> You're all excited. Don't be excited. All right. Now. of American people, thus potentially 70% of our congregation. Now, you need to know you are in good company. This this demographic is people who are normal, okay? (laughs) 70% of Americans. The only issue with being normal is that by normal, I mean broke and busted, (laughs) okay? (laughs) These are folks living paycheck to paycheck. 
Meaning that if you were to miss a check at any point in the month, it would translate into gas that you could not put in the car, food you couldn't put in the pantry, bills that you couldn't pay. You would be in a serious pinch. 70% of Americans theoretically broke and busted. Here's what we know about them. The first of which is that statistically they have a total debt of $30,000. That's not car loans or mortgage, that's debt that they've accrued. They have an annual income of somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000. They'd have to save for three months to get a $1,000 emergency fund. And it would take them somewhere around 70 months or six years to pay off their debt. 70% of Americans. Take a seat, be blessed. <laughs> All right, the next category. It's only gonna get better from here, really. If you received a zero bar, why don't you stand for me? <laughs> a zero bar. You know it's bad, Greenville. It is. For each of these folks, see, you came in and you actually traded with your wife, but now you're wishing, you're wishing you'd have kept that 100 grand bar because <laughs> you got a zero. All right, these folks make up 16% of our population and they are bankrupt, <laughs> meaning that they have zero. Zilch, nada, have filed for bankruptcy. Statistically, here's what we know about them. They have two new cars, so they're looking good. If you follow them on Instagram, man, they're posting pictures of their new ride. It's a convertible, the top goes down. They got some Facebook Live action going on. You're following, man, what a sweet car. It ain't paid for, you know? <laughs> it's not theirs. $32,000 in car loans, $20,000 in school loans, and $8,000 in credit card debt. They have a monthly payment of $2,840. That's just to, to maintain a life that they're already committed to. That's not pursuing their dreams, that's not living in freedom, that's just keeping their head above water. They would have to save for one year to get a $1,000 emergency fund. Barely scrapping to get $100 a month, just in case an emergency were to happen. It'll take them 193 months or 16 years to pay off $60,000 in debt. Usually the pressure is so great at this point, one of two things would happen. The first of which is that they would file for bankruptcy and say, hey listen, I made some mistakes, I learned some things, I'm gonna start this whole process over, try to do it better. Or they file for divorce. A man and a woman took a step together to enter into the covenant of marriage and now struggle and tension over finances has ripped apart at what mattered most to them. Grab a seat for us. Oh, that was very encouraging. <laughs> Excited for that. Our last category, the milk duds. Stand up for me with your big box. All excited. The milk duds. <laughs> These folks represent 2% of our population on the other end of the bell curve. These folks are experiencing death by credit cards. They've got all the same statistics as the zeros, but they have an additional $100,000 in credit card debt. So meaning just about daily when you get offers in the mail, you've been pre-approved. We've reviewed your spending history and you have, we would like to give you some money. You know, usually when you rip those up and throw them away, they're filling them out, floating their expenses on credit. And man, the pressure is just incredible. Now, have you received a, a zero bar or the milk dud or the crunch bar, would you please stand back up for me? 
So between these three groups, statistics of American people, this makes up 88% of our population. And these are the folks that in some way are living in financial bondage. 88% of Americans, statistics say, carry significant debt. Now, I don't know what that percentage is here for us as a church. Is it actually 88%? Is it 70%? Is it 50%? I don't know what it is, but I know for each and every one of us, God has better for us. He hasn't called us to live like everyone else, but to live like no one else. And as I look at this discrepancy, for those of you who are standing, you gotta look around for a while to see someone who's sitting down, someone who's walking a different road, who's living a different story. The greatest picture that comes to mind for me biblically is from Matthew chapter seven there on your outline. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. If you can't pay for that bill, just get a credit card, put it on debt. If the car broke down, just get, just get a car loan, carry, carry the payments. All of culture is walking this road. The average American spends $1.26 for every dollar they earn. We are not headed in a good direction, but everybody else is doing it. Just walk that broad path. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Only a few find it. You may be seated. So the question for us then, if, if God has a different path for us, if there is a different way, the question then is, what, is it, what does it look like? And how do I get there? And, and the answer to that is really by being honest about the path that you're on now. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been stressed about your personal finances? Just about all of us have. The issue with being stressed about our finances is that it's broad path or broad road thinking. Maybe you're driving to work one day and and the beat that you were listening to in your car, you realize it's actually your car breaking down, and you're sitting, <laughs> sitting on the side of the road like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? You were driving to work, and now you're questioning like, man, what if it's expensive? How am I gonna get to work? If I don't show up to work, they're gonna let me go. If they let me go, I can't pay for my rent or my mortgage. If I can't pay for my mortgage, I'm gonna lose the house. My kids are gonna be pulled out of their school. I'm gonna have to move back in with my mom. She's got dogs, I don't like dogs. Oh, my life is ruined, you know? It's like all of a sudden you, you question yourself down a, a road that, that's likely not even gonna happen. See, the problem with, with stress and anxiety is that it leaves us worried. And we don't wanna worry, but man, it just seems to come over us like a fire that we can't put out inside of us. That passage there on your outline, Matthew 6 says, so do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, the problem with worry is that it's a gateway emotion, meaning when we allow it into our lives, it is gonna take us somewhere that we wouldn't have gone otherwise. It creates a crisis of faith instead of allowing for a statement of faith because we ask questions like, well, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna, how am I gonna solve this problem? Instead of saying, God, I trust you as my provider to bring about what I need. What I'll eat, what I'll wear, where I live, I'm gonna trust you. Instead of making a statement of faith, we say, what do I do? How do I solve this? We worry about it, and at some point, we have to answer our questions. Well, maybe I, could, maybe I could get a credit card. We get those things in the mail every day. We don't have one up to this point, so let's just fill this one out, send it back in, maybe even call them. They might be able to approve it over the phone. We can pay for fixing the car. It comes with 50,000 
frequent flyer miles. So we could also maybe use those to go see your mom or go on that trip we were talking about. Back to school shopping is here, so let's, let's just put those, put that on the card. And over a while, you've kind of gotten comfortable with managing debt, so you go to get a car. Let's just carry the loan. It's kind of the same. We're comfortable with it. It gets to be too much at some point, so you say, hey, I just learned we could refinance our house. We can lump that debt in with the house. Years passed, and you want to move, uh, but you can't because you're kind of upside down with your house or with the car, with all this debt. So in some way, man, it leaves you feeling trapped. You would never say that. You wouldn't say, I feel trapped, because we get comfortable with managing debt. We get comfortable with leveraging debt. But Proverbs 22, seven there on your outline says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You would never say that you were a slave, but when someone else determines how much you pay, when you pay, the interest rate that you pay it back at, when they're limiting your future, when you have to consider their desires and preferences in light of what God may be calling you to, man, it's the reality of our situation. So at this point, one of two things happen. You either uh, fight or flight. Flight would be like, hey, throw up your hands, file for bankruptcy, I'm sorry, I made some mistakes, let's do this thing over. Or you fight. Man, you press in, you pick up a second job, a third job, an odd job. Mama starts selling stuff on Etsy. You know what I'm talking about. Culturally, we've made it cool, right? Hashtag hustle. It's like, man, I'm hustling, man. Everybody hustling. I'm working hard. From the time that I get up to the time that I go to bed, man, we're kicking this thing, working hard. Go from my first job to my second job, man, then I'm getting online selling stuff. You start garage sailing, turning a dime into a dollar, working as hard as you can. And for some of you, you crawl your way out of debt. But now you find yourself not working because you have to, but just working because you don't know how not to. It's become who you are. That's just not a picture of life. The problem with this, the problem about worrying about our finances, about feeling trapped or stuck, is that this is leading us somewhere to destruction. Remember Matthew 7 that we read at the beginning, wide is the road and broad is the gate. It leads to destruction. John 10, 10 says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's his plan for you, to leave you of no value to the kingdom and of no threat to him because financially you are bound, limited to say yes to whatever God might be calling you to. I remember the first time that I learned that there were two roads Katie and I had lived in Charleston for a little over a year and were considering buying a house, and, uh, which was perfect timing because I had been unemployed for about seven months. I was like, hey, let's buy a house. That seems smart. And so, uh, and up to that point, I had always lived at the edge of my financial means. How much can we get pre-approved for and then some? You know, how can we push it? I had taste for big yard and big house, though we could really afford like small yard, small duplex. And so... Uh, we'd been looking at houses, and one night I sent the kids up to bed to put on their pajamas, said, Daddy will be up in just a minute. Two or three minutes pass, and Abigail comes downstairs wearing a princess dress, saying, Daddy, will you take me on a date? I just sent you up to put on your pajamas. How do you even know what a date is? And it's like, what do I do? If I say, no, Daddy won't date you. It's like, then I'm paying for counseling down the road because <laughs> I'm not dateable. It's like, no, I just said, eh. so I was like, fine, 
grab my hand, let's go on a walk. And so we go on a walk and like 50 yards outside of our door, a new neighborhood was being built. We lived right at the entrance of the neighborhood and they just finished a model home and they leave all the lights on to kind of draw you in to peek in the windows. And uh, it was a sweet house. I had never seen, they had black kitchen cabinets and black trim. It's pretty bold, but man, it looks sweet. Dark hardwood floors, stainless appliances, these muted granite countertops. So I'm peeking in the window like, man, Ab, look at those cabinets. Look at that trim. Wouldn't it be sweet to live there? She's like, I don't know, Daddy. I'm like, of course you don't. You're four. <laughs> it would be. That's <laughs> you know, a sweet house. You know? <laughs> and so then she says, I don't know, Daddy. I think if we had $100 and $1, we would have to give the $100 to this house, and it would only leave us $1 to do fun stuff as a family. Man, maybe she does know. You know? <laughs> and man, in that moment, I'm telling you, like, God, the spirit just came over me. I started bawling. Abigail's like, no, no, daddy, we can get the house. We can get the house. <laughs> like, no, you've ruined the date. No, he can't. <laughs> but what God showed me in that moment was two different roads. And all of my adult life, I had walked the broad road living at the edge of my financial means, praising God for a Christmas bonus or a tax return because we needed them to get by, worried about my finances, in debt in so many different ways. And what God showed me was that I had an opportunity and one choice to take a step down a new road. And that this one wasn't necessarily about big house or small house, but in taking a step down the narrow road, it was about worry or peace. I could take a step to usher in a season of peace in my life, in our family's life, one that we had never experienced. And what was so important about this decision is that in whichever path I chose, there were gonna be some benefits for me, but that it would also be the one that she walked. She was watching the decision I made, making judgments on what I said our values were. It was an opportunity for us to walk in peace. So Katie and I prayed about it and we ended up uh, buying a uh, part of, portion of a duplex, and it was so interesting because it was the one area as we kind of drove through town, I never say this, but I, I said like, whatever we do, we're not living there. And God was like, oh yes, you are. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so we end up moving in there, and to this day, we've since moved on from that house, but our, our kids look, at, look back at that season and call that their favorite house. It was about the size of a big walk-in closet, you know? First year of his life, it was seven of us and 1,400 square feet. First year of Ari's life, he lived in a pack and play in the downstairs bathroom, <laughs> which was also the master bathroom, which was nasty, you know? And that was his bedroom, you know? But it was a season where we pulled together as a family on mission. We were taking a step down a different path, so we talked about why we were doing it, what we were doing, and man, it brought in a season of peace that we hadn't experienced before. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, we're about eight years in to doing our best to walking a new road. But I'm gonna tell you, to this day, when Katie and I sit down and talk about our finances. I spent so much time on the broad road that even today, man, my eyebrows will get squinted, my face will get red, my tone will change. She's gotta say, hey, time out. 
We don't walk that road anymore. <laughs> you don't have to be worried about your finances. But it's like second nature to me. But our journey down this road began with one decision, one step, and it ushered in a season of peace. Can you imagine what it would be like for you to live in true financial peace? That when you went to bed at night, you could know that whatever tomorrow held, you would be provided for. One, because you saw and stewarded your finances in a way that led to life, but two, because God was your provider. That you didn't have to worry about finances. Ultimately, it would lead to freedom. It would lead to freedom. Your ability to go wherever God might call you to go. To do whatever God might call you to do. Psalm 119.45 says, I have gained perfect freedom by following your teaching. I love that it doesn't say I've gained perfect freedom by reading of your teachings. Perfect freedom by learning your teaching. Perfect freedom by memorizing your teaching. Perfect freedom by joining a small group where we talk about your teaching. But perfect freedom by following your teaching. I mean, that happens one step at a time. One decision at a time. When it's time to buy a house, time to buy a car, time to do back to school shopping, which can just be maddening, right? You just bought new shoes like three weeks ago and kids are talking about their shoes don't fit. It's like, oh well, nobody does back to back to school shopping. Forget about it, you know? But freedom, true freedom by following his teaching. One step at a time, one decision at a time. Ultimately, that path leads to life. See, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it to the full. Some translations say that we might have abundant life. One of my favorites says that we might have a rich and satisfying life. What's unique to the, the two paths is that the destination for both of them is fixed. We can't live a life where we're worried about our finances, where we're a slave to the lender and think that it's going to lead to life. We have to choose in each decision which path we will take. You know, over the last few weeks, you've heard a lot about Financial Peace University. Man, we've shown so many testimonies of how lives that have been changed and what it's led to, and that's a big part of what this series is about. But ultimately, for each of you individually, for you as a family, this is about you deciding which road that you'll walk. Will you walk a road that's going to lead to destruction, or will you choose a road that leads to life? And it's important for two reasons, the first of which is for you personally. You can be a believer who is saved, who has put their faith in Jesus, who's going to go to heaven when you die, yet feel like you are living in hell on earth because of the way you see and steward this one area. And God has more for you, he has better for you. So it's important for you individually, but it's also important for our children. I'm reminded of Joshua 24 where he says, um, choose for this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, there's some decisions that you make that transcend you, that impact generations. And as I think about me on that walk with Abigail, she was watching to see what was daddy going to do. You can be certain for whichever road you choose to walk, it'd be good for you every now and then to look at the little ones around you because they will be in stride following you. And it's either gonna be to a place that leads to destruction or it's gonna be to a place that leads to life. And that's a place that we're going as a church. And just like you for your family, if you were gonna go to a new place, if you were gonna move to a new neighborhood, if you were moving across country to a new state, you would pull your whole family together and say, hey gang, this is the opportunity in front of us. This is what I believe God's called us to do. This is why we're doing it. 
We're gonna have to change some things. We're gonna live in a new neighborhood. You're gonna make some new friends. We're gonna have a new school. But this is why we're going there. We believe God's calling us to it. That's the reason we've invited everyone to be a part of Financial Peace University. We believe this is what God is calling us to as a church, that we might live in financial freedom, that we would be a light in the darkness, that in our community, man, people would see here and take note that something is different about us. There's a true sense of freedom, not just with our eternity, but with our today, that we could say yes to God, whatever he might be calling us to. It's the reason we've asked everyone to be a part of it. If you were to go online today, and, and purchase a Financial Peace University kit. They're about $149. We've invested a lot so that you can purchase these kits for $80. If $80 is too much, a lot of people have given to scholarship folks where you can get a kit for $40. If $40 is too much, I would love for you to email me and we'll have Pastor Jason pay for your kit. <laughs> we'll work something out. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to make it happen. But as a family, we're going to a new place. And we want all of you to be a part of it. Some of you have said, well, we are walking the narrow road. We are debt free. And I would say to you, man, as I look back over my life, the most significant life change that I've experienced as a husband, as a father, as a son of God has come because I've had someone living out a vision of the life that I've wanted. If you're walking the narrow road, man, if you're debt free, if you're living large, if you have peace in your finances, then I would say we need you now more than ever. I promise you the content is gonna be incredible. The next few weeks, weekends are gonna be awesome. We have a guest speaker next weekend. Dave Ramsey's gonna be here the last weekend. I challenge you, man, don't miss a week. The Financial Peace University classes are gonna be awesome. Every campus, man, we're having classes all throughout the week, providing free childcare here at the church. There's so many opportunities and ways for you to, uh, for you to get involved. But if you would say you don't need it, man, now is the time. We need you more than ever. Because as good as the curriculum is, as great as the experience is gonna be, there's gonna be moments of discouragement where couples try to take steps and man, the enemy is fighting against them. It's hard, it's a struggle and you're gonna be able to be the one, the man, the woman, the couple sitting beside them to say, hey, this is what God did in my life. Be encouraged, he's gonna do it in yours. Keep pressing on, keep pressing forward. You're gonna be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you haven't signed up, man, we're believing today thousands of people across all of our campuses are gonna sign up. You can take the Connect card inside of your worship guide, fill it out and drop it off at a FPU resource table as you leave today. We've got computers set up at several campuses. You can log in that way. If you're questioning, ah, I just don't know if it's for me, I don't know if I should do it, we'll have all the material printed. Just show up for one of the classes at your campus and we'll take some next steps from there. All of our leadership is involved, our campus pastors are involved. Katie and I are gonna be leading the group here in the chapel on Saturday nights just believing that God is going to do something incredible. He's gonna start a movement, not only here in our church, but it's gonna extend out into our community where people really see us living into the freedom, the life, the peace that God has for us. So the invitation for you is which road will you choose? We are gonna walk the narrow road and we would love for you to join us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this season. I praise you, God, for this series and just this conversation, one that is generally private, that we don't talk about or really focus on much. And as we do, God, I pray that you would usher us into a season of peace, a season of freedom that would lead to life unlike we've ever experienced as a church. God, I pray for those here today that might be feeling uh, like an elephant is sitting on their chest. God, that the financial pressures in their life are overwhelming. 
God, I pray that right now, but just by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would sense you draw close to them, that as a church family over the next few weeks, that we would surround one another, inspire and encourage one another to take steps towards life. God, as we respond today, may our hearts and minds be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen.